Hey, welcome to Guatney Unplugged. Hope you're having a great Saturday. So excited. Our guest today has worked in the world of Star Wars on the last four films as an artist in concept design and also character design. He also does storyboards for films. And he's coming to us from London, England. Please welcome Jake Lunt Davis. How are you, Jake? I'm very good. Hello. How are you? I am great. Now, where are you and where did you grow up? I, I'm in London in the UK. Um, I grew up in the UK, in England, in, um, yeah, in, in all over the place, really. But uh, I lived in London for 30 years. So I suppose I'm sort of from here now. <laughs> I'm, I'm <laughs> curious. I'm 48 years old. So I grew up on Star Wars and all this, this stuff that you You're work on. You're kind of a little bit. I'm 50, I'm 50, so we're kind of roughly oh, the same age bracket. Well, what kind of things did you grow up, movies and cartoons that really influenced you? Uh, I, weirdly, I didn't see Star Wars for until, I mean, I, it came out in, what, 77, I think? Yes. I didn't think, I, I lived in the kind of countryside, and and I didn't, I, I never saw it in the cinema when it came out. It wasn't even on my radar until I, I moved from the countryside to a, a city in the north of England called Sheffield, and then all my friends were sort of talking about Star Wars, and this was like 1980. <laughs> and uh, I thought, like, wow, you know, wow. And I, th- I think the first Star Wars film I saw was uh, Empire when that came out. Oh, yeah. I think I saw a, a double bill, which was brilliant. And, um, yeah, I mean, that was that was hugely influential then. And, um, yeah, sort of, I think prior to that, when I was a kid, I, I used to watch um i don't know, just sort of silly things on tv you know it'd be like buck rogers and right and lone ranger and i know your favorite uh dukes of hazard you know, oh yes <laughs> oh, i love the duke Huge, exactly but um yeah it wasn't until the i was about 10 or so when i got into star wars and uh and it was like wow this is something else Loved it's, it. it's very hard to recapture the magic that was the first star wars films in a theater when the world didn't really know what star wars was yeah i know <laughs> it's difficult isn't it yeah and i think there's uh, yeah it is and i think what we did with with you know the force the guy worked on the sequels and we yes. did the you know the and the spin-offs but certainly with force awakens i think i don't know we were probably trying to tap into our into what we, you know, uh, what we were feeling at those emotions then, you know, and I suppose there was a sort of certain amount of nostalgia we were trying to re uh, oh, recapture and yes. project back. Hopefully, we did something with that. I think that's one of the sort of things that Force Awakens was uh, was trying to do was just sort of revamp that, uh, yes. that those emotional feelings. Oh, especially but, when they said, oh, well, that hunk of junk will have to do. And we see the Millennium Falcon and, you know, that's. I know, when they pull that, yes. when they pull that sheet off. I saw, <laughs> uh, I, mean, I have to say that I've been working on that film. Getting that film, I mean, this is a little bit, uh, I'll come back to where I was going with this. But obviously, working on that film was just like a dream come true. It was just like, I never expected to get that job. And even to the point where like months in, 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 in weeks before, I think I was sitting in a pub uh, with some friends and they were saying, Hey Jake, uh, do you hear the, you know, here's a new Star Wars. They're going to make a new Star Wars. You can try and get on it. And I'm like, I'm like, 
Well, I'd love to do that, but I don't know. You, know, you have to kind of know the right people. It's a very sure. Of, um, that's kind of how it works. Unfortunately, you know, these jobs don't get advertised particularly. And and, he, and they were, I, was, I don't know who. You know, by the time I find out the right person to talk to, the film would have been made. Sure. Um, and but fortunately, I did happen to know the right person because he phoned me up out of the blue. Uh, he, my supervisor, Neil Scanlon who was uh, the creature effects designer and he'd got the job and he called me. I hadn't spoken to him for, I don't know, about five years. And, ah. and uh, suddenly, yeah, Neil's on the phone going, Hey Jake, how are you? And I'm like, hey. he's going, guess what? And what? He's going, I've got Star Wars. And I'm ah. like, I, I won't repeat what I said to him uh, <laughs> on your radio show, but I was very excited. And, um, it's a very long-winded story. That gives me <laughs> chills, though. It gives yeah. me chills. I mean, it was an incredible moment, you know, to have that sort of uh, that call was just like wow. And then, yes. uh, and then I was like, uh, I didn't get the job. I had to sort of like do like a, a little test, I suppose. I had, I had sort of, uh, I had some Zoom, not Zoom, but whatever. Uh, oh uh, yeah, what it was back then. <laughs> yeah, video conference conference sure. call with the production designers where we, it was like, uh, we just chatted about some stuff and I did some early, they said, look, go away for a week and do some, do some sketches for what would be Maz, um, which I did. And that sort of seemed to win them over. And then, yeah, I got taken onto this job, but going back to what you were saying about the chills of that first time and the millennium Falcon was that after a year of working on this film, they, we, they did this sort of this pre what they do is they do previs, which sure. is like a, yeah um it's like an early uh line art looking version of a movie correct yeah yeah well it could be more than that now they can go they could do some pretty sort of uh pretty good cg computer graphics now to sort yes. of really almost take it to the as far as they can before filming it really and they had this they did the sequence from that moment when you said you know what you were just saying when they're on jacku and they pull back the oh yeah the, the sheets and and they have we, we we all as a crew watched this moment of the Millennium Falcon doing that that uh, chase through the desert through the you know going through the oh the guns are stuck yeah that's right yeah that shot and the Tie Fighters all getting blown up yeah that was this moment where yeah we've been surrounded by all these sets and we've been surrounded by all these sort of amazing things to see but just seeing this thing on a screen and and the Millennium Falcon moving and the sound it was just like wow that was just this wow moment <laughs> it was like oh my oh yeah gosh, you know here we are so yeah it had and there were plenty of those moments but that, that was why i remember in particular was it your idea yeah. to put a square radar dish on the millennium falcon i always wondered where that came from i don't know it wasn't my idea um <laughs> i don't know no i i, uh, I think they just wanted to sort of because it got knocked off. Yeah, you got to sell more toys. So you now you got to have yeah, the version exactly. with the uh, the square radar yeah. dish. Yeah, but then the radar dish get they knocked it off in the um, end of Return of the Jedi. I think it got bashed. That's when right. The, when they flew into yeah. the Death Star. That's right. It did. Yeah, yeah. they lost so that their. Was, it was the. That's the best they could get. It was a radar <laughs> dish. That's right. <laughs> I gotta wonder. You know, you're working on things like Star Wars. Are there rules or guidelines or like style guides that Disney puts in place that kind of guides your uh, work? You know, to where you we don't I want don't it to know. be too nostalgic, but we don't want it to be too new or unfamiliar. What What do they say? 
I think uh, there isn't like a guidebook which they put down. There aren't any kind of hard and fast rules, but I think there were obviously the higher echelons of production, you know, the, the, like the Lucasfilm producers and JJ obviously would be sort of, uh, you know, they work with the whole Lucasfilm Star Wars thing is there's a lot of, of I suppose, unwritten rules which they have already discussed. And they, sure. those, those ethos, if you like, will filter down. So we have big conversations or had big conversations in in the course of production about what you know what is Star Wars, what makes things Star Wars, and it was a constant conversations that were happening. It was always that you know is it Star Wars? Like for instance, people always sort of talk about are wheels Star Wars? Because mm-hmm. <laughs> in in the original Star Wars films there were no wheels and there were no True. zips or something crazy thing. I don't know. <laughs> um, or the, the so, but these were sort of observations that. That, that like the production designers and the costume designers would make and sort of like pass down to the crew really so yeah there was a lot of consideration looking back at it um but no it wasn't like a thou shalt not do this rule book <laughs> <laughs> it must be surreal to see something you've designed on the big screen Just nothing better than Star Wars in my book. Today we're talking with Jake Lunt Davis. He is an artist. He works in concept design and character design. He's worked on the last four Star Wars films. And honestly, he has my dream job. Um, what kind of mediums do you prefer to work in as an artist? I mean, do, is there still pads and pencils or have iPads really changed the direction of your kind of work? Uh, I, I, I can't, uh, pens and paper, pencil and paper is my go-to medium. I think I've used it all my life and, uh, I find the line I produce the best with a pencil and a paper. I've got uh, currently, I, I use that primarily sort of for the first half of working on the Star Wars films up until... I don't know, five or six years ago. And then everyone around me had a big, what they call it, a Wacom Cintiq. I'm not selling Wacoms yep, here. Yeah, yep, I know what you're talking about. Things available. So it's like this big, uh, for anyone who doesn't know, it's like a big screen. It's like a massive iPad that's like the size of a 27-inch TV. Oh, that yeah. Is on an arm on my desk, but it's plugged into my computer. So it's not like, I mean, an iPad is self-sufficient. This thing isn't self-sufficient. It needs a computer to run it. But, you know, you have a pen and I can draw on the screen. Uh, and that's, it's, I use it a lot. I I use it, I'm getting better at drawing directly into it. I mean, primarily I use it, I, what I used to do would be draw, scan in my drawing, and then finish it all off, the color and everything, and digitally with the Wacom. Now I'm getting better at drawing my initial lines with the Wacom. It's taken you. several years. Uh, <laughs> to, to, it's really weird. It's the pen. The, I, I'm on an ever. I'm on a quest to find the perfect brush that is like a pencil, which delivers the same um, media. You know, if I draw a line and the weight, sure. and the heaviness. It's. Uh, and I've just done. I'm storyboarding a film at the moment. Uh, Meg two, Meg right? two, yes. Meg two, yeah. And I've drawn all that 
digitally. Normally, I would draw it all like I did Venom 2. Um, um, prior to this, I did that all on paper and scanned it in and then shaded it all in digitally. But this one, I, I've done, done it all digitally from the outset, which is a first for me. Wacom and actually predates right. iPad. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It goes back pretty far. You know, you mentioned doing storyboards for the mag, and I got to ask you, as a storyboard artist, where you're yes. coming up with like the angles and eventually that becomes the camera shot, do you feel like you contribute more to the film as the storyboard artist that kind of laid it out more so than maybe one or two characters you come up with appear on screen? The, from a filmmaking point of view, then, yeah, you definitely sort of can see shots, which I'm not going to say that you've, you've, you know, your shots, but you, you know, you've, your party and, and, you know, to that, the conversations with the director and the director of photography, um, yeah, you contribute, you can pitch in a few ideas, but you're part of that, you know, what is the filmmaking process? Yes, definitely, more than the character designs. You know, half the stuff I did for Star Wars might get in the shop. Might, might, might not. <laughs> well, you know, I'm curious, because I'm fascinated with storyboarding movies yeah. and drawing cartoons. It's, I love that stuff. Yeah. I, I, it's not like they give you the script and you come up with all of the angles. You actually discuss, no. you, you're you directed, correct? Yeah. Uh, yes. Most of the time, yes. I think, I mean, I've done... It's, it depends on the director, but yeah, really the director or the director of photography is going to be telling you kind of what they want. You will, yeah, I do throw in a few angles and I'll fill in a few gaps and I'll think, oh, we're missing a shot here and I'll <laughs> suggest it, you know, just to sort of, you know, depending on the director I'm working with, you know, I judge whether that's a good call or not. Some, <laughs> some, some, some people will be very sort of strict, I suppose, about what they want you to do, and others are more open to a collaborative thing. You realize you have the greatest job in the world, right up there, equal with like flying an F fifteen Eagle or something. I mean, it's pretty. I can't complain. It's, <laughs> it's so great, Jake. It's so great. Yeah. Are there some examples you could give us, like in Star Wars films or something, where you preferred? some concept, some alternate version of what ultimately made it to the screen? Oh, like a kind of character design. That maybe uh, we didn't, that maybe we never saw. There was another version. I'm, mean, you know, like we've all seen like Ralph McQuarrie's version of Darth Vader yeah. is somewhat different uh, than the screen yes. version, you know? And I think the stormtroopers even had lightsabers in rife Ralph did, McQuarrie's yes. artwork, yeah. They did. I'm racking my brains. <laughs> uh, <laughs> which I could have right the second, I can't tell you anything off the top of my head, purely because I can't remember. What um, is, what is your favorite Star Wars character? Well, for, from the original ones or my ones. From from any of them. I can't say my own ones. <laughs> <'Cause that's laughs> like, uh, I'd be like, uh, I think that from the original Star Wars films, well, I, I'm not going to diss the prequels, but they weren't really films that I enjoyed as much as the original Star uh, Wars yeah, films. Yeah, of course not. And I know they mean a lot. You know, they're, they're for some people, you know, there's a certain age range where they're the first Star Wars films they ever saw and that they have a huge meaning, uh, meaningfulness to them. 
so really from the original Star Wars films, I love things like weirdly things like the Tauntauns I was very mm. inspired by because they were so, yeah. A, they were sort of very, they, they're believable. You know, they could sure. combine these sort of elements of of a kangaroo and a goat and a sheep yeah. and a, I don't know, they, they combined those elements and they thought, well, that could, that could really exist, couldn't it? <laughs> Plus, sure. They had that really cool, and I love all that stop motion animation. You know, yes. that was cool. But Phil Tippett, it, it was like, wow. Oh, yeah. Cool. Um, and then, you know, it gets sliced open and and hands stuffed Luke into its belly to keep him warm overnight, which yeah. is just as a kid, it's like, wow, that's really gross and cool. And um, they, you know, sort they of made like, a toy that did that. You did. You <laughs> could you could you could pop it in his stomach, couldn't you? I don't know if it came with any. Um, I love those innards; they're quite revolting. I I, th- <laughs> I think the best films of the new stuff for me is Rogue One. I think it just captures kind of what those original ones were and you have a connection to darth vader correct uh first of all i have to agree i do i do know what you mean about the the rogue one i think rogue one certainly does hit the spot really it does my connection still what the like his mustafar his behind the scenes you kind of worked on that correct oh yes oh gosh we were good you did see a bit of that we spent we put an awful lot of effort and time into things which never make it onto screen and there were there was going to be damn sight more of uh of of vader i think than you ever saw yeah i drew elements of him sort of suspended in his back to tank and uh, yes and again our whole team was sort of you know i worked with like three or four of the guys we'd all be drawing kind of versions and similar ideas and kick you know, sort of like bouncing ideas off each other. And eventually this thing, we made it. We made a sort of big full-size Vader body with, you know, no arms, no legs, which would float inside this giant tank. But it didn't... Um, they didn't go that route. No, I think we it got to the point where they might have shot some tests and then they cut their losses. They decided they weren't going to shoot the scene or something. And they decided they let's stop spending the money. So... <laughs> I've always preferred, choices. you know, the casual fan may not realize that Darth Vader is slightly different in every film. I've always preferred the new hope version. I always thought he looked more menacing in the very first With his film. red eyes. Yes, of course. And he's, he's got weird, it's, it's very subtle differences. I, I think his cape is on in a different position, like yes. over the shoulders or. Yes. The, the inner garment is over his armor yeah. only and in then, the first film. Yeah, then they switched it over to, to, he got a new tailor. Yeah, he (laughs) did. We're talking with Jake about Star Wars and and art and all sort of things. Right here on Guadalupe Unfold, we'll be right back. Hey, if you're just now joining us, we are talking with Jake Lunt Davis today. He is from London, and he's an artist that has worked and designed things on the last Star Wars films. You know, Jake, you really hit on something that I wasn't thinking about, that these computers are so perfect that it really does take away from the imperfections that made things about the design of the first Star Wars so unique. You know, people might not think about it, but those Stormtrooper faces, even Darth Vader, nothing was symmetrical because 
it was sculpted sculpted by hand, correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so they have a sort of natural imperfection, which you don't see. Um, but it, I, I was going to say earlier, it's, it's a, a bit like if you look at a human face, one your left and your right are, are very, you know, if you, if you sort of flip, uh, put a mirror up between you, the left and your right don't match sort of thing. So right. uh, it's very rare to find someone who's got a perfectly symmetrical face. And I think you probably subconsciously kind of see that you know when you're presented with perfection it probably doesn't i can't put it into words really but i, I think your the human mind doesn't mind imperfection uh and when it has that sort of sense of perfection then you might even be a bit, bit maybe troubled by it i don't know i mean a, a symmetrical face is a bit weird yeah but you know if you think about it even a young child picks up on all of the things that made those movies in 77 and 80, 83 so perfect. Yeah. Um, you know, even today you could show all of them to an eight-year-old, and I think they would love those first three the best. Totally. I was saying, to, I mean, again, just from a sort of styling point of view, those films, I think, have they've, they've just stood the test of time. And there's so many other, other sci-fi shows and movies from before that time and after that time that I think of sort of of their era. You know, you can look at Goliath's mm -hmm. an 80s film or 50s film. Sure you can. All, all the haircuts and the costumes are very of that period and become dated. And I was, I was talking to somebody about this very recently saying, you know, you look at Star Wars and there's not much in it that sort of pinpoints it. You know, a few to the seventies. I mean, there's a few sideburns and there's a few mustaches, which are a bit seventies, but <laughs> not much else. You know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, and some of the effects now, which they've sort of obviously tarted up and made a bit better. But you know, style from a production design point of view, it's just perfect. I think <laughs> it <laughs> yes. is perfect. You know, the only thing I would change about a New Hope is those stupid chairs in the conference room at the Death Star. With those roller wheels on them, they look like you went and got them at Office Depot or something. Maybe, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, did you work on yeah. Kylo Ren when he come back? I've seen images on your website where, like, the red scars, kind of like lightning, where he welded his helmet uh, back yes. together. You, you come up with that? Uh, yeah, yes, yes, but I don't want to take full responsibility for it. I, the, I, we were sort of briefed, essentially. The Kylo Ren is is belongs to costume department, even though we all worked on it. It's, it's the sort of realm of of costume, so they did their thing, but we were also invited to sort of pitch in some ideas because uh, I worked for the creature department, you see. Yeah. Um, and we were sort of equally and said, so "Yeah, come see what you can come up with," because you know he's he's smashed his mask up, and let's try and do something with that. Yeah, and I I was I was aware of this Japanese uh, art of kintsugi, mm -hmm. uh, which is about this sort of finding beauty in broken. Uh, yeah, it's a Japanese art form where they take broken pottery and they use a gold lacquer to sort of mend it, and it's beautiful. It's it's got its own beauty, and I knew that existed, so I thought, well, let's try some of that with uh, Kylo Ren's. Um, helmet but i say i can't take full credit for it because glenn dillon who was the costume designer on rogue one and and generally did a lot of uh, concept work on the three sequels 
Uh, he'd also thought of that as well. So both of us uh, presented the same ideas. <laughs> I gotcha. Hey, everyone yeah, loves BB-8. Did you work on designing the robot yes. BB-8? Really? Yes. That was, sort of, that was the sort of first big thing I did. That was, again, it's a team effort, but I did the... So that started off as a little, you know, the thumbnail on a post-it by JJ. And then an I, the, the art director at ILM, Lucasfilm, Christian Altsman, did some sketches based on that, which you would look at and go, well, yeah, that's BBA. But, you know, I took it to the, another level, I suppose, or the next level. Um, yeah, so Christian has set the sort of color tones and some of the details. And then when it came to the UK and came under Neil Scanlon's, he had to build it, you know, so it really worked, didn't it? It it really is a real prop. Yeah. Yeah. It was a puppet. And and I think a lot of those, you know, the design where I came in and I sort of brought in a lot of R2D2 and old school sort of, uh, original trilogy sort of elements to make it feel like a, uh, an astromech droid. But then working with, Josh Lee, who is the animatronics designer working under Neil Scanlon, and Brian Herring, who is like the, the main puppeteer, we sort of, working together with them, helped set a lot of design things. Uh, like, for instance, the patterns on his body. Mm-hmm. We tried lots. Of, we made a little mock-up model, and it works like a wheelbarrow. It's sure. got a big stick coming out the side of it, and the head's sort of stuck on. They digitally remove the stick holding the head. Ah, that's how it works. Okay. Yeah, it comes up. And um, we came up with various different patterns. Uh, and if the patterns were too small, as we wheeled this model around, it would the pattern would just blur. So we had to sort of, it, it informed us to find a big, bold pattern, which is why he's kind of only got six It makes sense, on. yeah. And then when he's moving, it, it, it they're still you can still see colors and shapes. It's not just a blur of gray. So that was one thing. And then from the the sort of animatronic point of view, those panels were also a certain size because it helped Josh get batteries inside. One of the panels could come out and Ah. and be an access door. So there was just like practical, oh, that'll do, that'll be a, a door. And then all the details that, kind of go on the small details of just me making it up but um i love how yeah, his well, head it looks like an r2 unit that that was genius yeah yeah well yeah that had to look a bit like next you know the next um future model of an r2 you know 40 years on was orange and like. white your your choice no that was between christian altsman and jj they did that in the states um, wow. so by the time it got to the uk i think orange was generally agreed on so he has a little friend in the last one it looks kind of like a uh like a i don't know like a badminton it looks like a badminton uh thing that you would <laughs> I know, dio dio yes dio is did you come up with this character dio. yes i did dio too which is again it's like a collaboration but i, I think you know we we knew he only had to have one wheel after a long, you know, there's several of us working on it. And over the course of this thing, we knew he's got one wheel. That was, and then what his head looked like was a bit up for grabs. Uh-huh. And yes, he's got a cone for a head and that's about it. Really. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it works though. Now Ray, yeah. Ray speeder at the beginning of, uh, force awakens 
Yes. I guess you worked on that, which was, I always thought that thing was very, very cool. Thank you. I did do that one as well. We had, that was, again, we were doing creatures primarily, but um, we were asked if we'd like to contribute to vehicles because I don't think they were getting very successful uh, feedback on their things. And we it, obviously, yeah, it was very, very clever. Thanks. I was, <laughs> yeah, so I'm, quite, I'm really pleased with that design as well because it's, this is the other Star Wars ethos, or or I don't know if ethos is the right word. Star Wars mantra that is often bandied around at work is this: uh, it's simplicity. It's finding simple shapes. Yes. And if you look at so many things in Star Wars, they're actually very simple silhouettes. You could draw them in very sort of a few lines and go, oh, that's an X-wing, simply because you've drawn an X. That's or right. Or a TIE fighter is like a circle with two lines. That's side. right. Hey, welcome back to Guatney Unplugged. Scott Romine here. I hope the force is with you today. We're talking Star Wars with artist Jake Lunt Davis, who is in London and has worked on the last four Star Wars films. You kind of hit on something that is uh, very true about how the design and the art of the things in Star Wars are so simplistic. Is is there a design philosophy that uh, I guess would separate Star Wars from, say, Star Trek? Uh, I don't know. I'm not a big Star Trek fan. And that sounds like I don't mind. Like it. I just don't know enough about it to right. say that Star Trek do this thing. I mean, Star Trek is very rooted in a slightly old, it's more 60s, isn't it? It yes. certainly has, you can see that sort of that jet, and I don't say the Jetsons, but the jet, that jet uh, futuristic thing that was born out of the 50s and 60s. I think you can see influences of that in the Enterprise. It's very 50s, 60s looking spaceship. Um, and perhaps Star Wars is just you know half a generation later. <laughs> Star <And> Trek, <laughs> everything Jake seems brand new, and in Star Wars, everything's like it's like a used car lot. Yeah, totally. I mean, that was the th- that was the design uh, thing with Star Wars was that lived in look, wasn't it? The used lived in look, which was sort of I suppose a little bit hand in hand with Alien as well. Um, yes, it suddenly became very believable, and I think that's what people. I can identify with it. It just be, you sort of think, like, well, you know, I could be there. It's very, it, these could be real things because they're rusty and they've been used for decades. Yeah, that whole shiny, the shiny sort of science fiction was uh, sort of thrown away, wasn't it? You so. mentioned Alien and H.R. Giger, man. He, uh, I don't know that he got enough credit for everything he contributed to that world. I know. Uh, I mean, that is brilliant stuff, isn't it? <laughs> just brilliant. You know, <laughs> yeah. just brilliant. Hey, in The Force Awakens, when we're in that little sandy town or whatever, there's this huge pig creature. Did you work oh, on that? that? Yeah, did that one too. That was brilliant. I mean, that that didn't, you know, no offense to the filmmakers, but crikey, they should have used that a bit more because <laughs> that thing was just, that was started off as I... I loved the Banthers in uh, the original Star Wars, which you're seeing quite, I don't know if you're watching the new Boba Fett, but they're in there. Oh, yeah. I love Boba Fett. Yeah. yeah. And the Banthers were basically an elephant with a sort of, you know, furry costume. 
And I love that. I thought, okay, what can we do? For? It'd be amazing to have that sort of scale, something big. And I was drawing these big, big creatures, just hauling junk around Jakku, that, that junkyard town. And then Neil Scanlon, my supervisor boss, he looked at those, well, this is brilliant. He had this idea that, that do you know, the, 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 there's the theatre production of War Horse, uh, which I don't I've not seen that. I've not seen that. Well, so that's based on a, a sort of story set in the First World War about a ho- uh, this sort of horse that serves uh, in the army, and the theatre production is this giant puppet. So, but it's very you've got these two guys in it who are sort of operating the legs, and another guy just holding onto the head. You can see them; they're all visible on stage. That's sure. part of the. But you know, it works really well as a puppet, and Neil has got various sort of puppeteering contacts and he knew the guys that were currently performing that thing and he got them in. Uh, and we basically built a very lightweight model out of what they call plastazote, which is like a f- very thin foam, uh, which is enormous. It was like the size of a you know truck uh, right. with a guy on each leg and another guy in the head. Um, and they're puppeteering it and walking along like this giant thing. And JJ came in and we sort of had this thing lumber out towards him. He's just like blown away and went, yeah, put him out in the movie, which he did, but quite briefly, yeah. he drinks briefly. out of the water I mean, supply or something. Yeah. It does walk. Yeah. It does walk and it walks around. Yeah. It's brilliant. It's a bit like the lugger beast that you see, you know, when you first see Ray finds BD8 and there's sure. that sort of, animal with the guy on it that sort of yeah that's a similar thing that's got two guys oh it's not cgi it's a real thing it's a real thing and those two guys are in it in it with it sort of resting on their shoulders and they've got like ski poles attached to that to sure the creature's feet which they use to sort of move the legs but they're bearing the weight on their shoulders and they've got this you know uh kieran shah who's a sort of uh a small performer he's sitting on top uh and yeah they they they're wearing green tights sure and they remove the tights in the legs but so yeah it's all real oh Same process, so cool smaller hey jake yeah. so i've i want to ask you your kids have contributed to star wars just through their own little drawings correct yes i only have one okay uh, yeah they did uh <laughs> they draw like uh maybe like seven years old at the time. And yeah, obviously I work on Star Wars and they would sort of give me like, uh, hey, look, here's, a, here's an alien I've drawn. <laughs> and I can't remember now whether they suggested or whether it was my, basically every so often, if it was a particularly good drawing or you know, idea, I think, well, you know, there's something in that. So I'm going to redraw it in my style. And I'll every week we'd present a whole bunch of like, ideas yeah just as background aliens sure and we had the sort of rogues gallery stuck up on a wall and the director jj ryan whoever or gareth would walk around and they'd go oh i like that one i like that one they'd put a little post-it note or a star or a sticker and every week i'd sort of slip in one of my child's designs oh that's great and i did a few but this one character which did end up getting picked i think ryan turned it down I and mean, ryan picked it for last jedi but then at the last minute it goes through this sort of pyramid where you're on the b list and then that gets whittled down to the a list it's all about budgets sure think. so after yeah, they decide right we are definitely going to make 
the A-list. That's the budget we've got. And <laughs> it didn't quite make it to that one. But then on uh, Solo, it did get picked and it made it through to the A-list and it got sculpted and all the step of the way and telling my kid, yeah, it's been sculpted. Yeah, it's been, it's, it's made the, the, the person's coming in and they're going to you know, do a costume fitting for oh, it. And, that's cool. But I'm, at the same time, I'm going to, don't get your hopes up because it might not make it, you know, could always get cut it could always get cut so mm-hmm. you know always keeping them realistic about it yeah you, i don't think it made you might have seen it briefly in in solo it wasn't but then it sort of pop, it's popped up all over the place since then it popped up in uh mandalorian constantly in the mandalorian I think mandalorian killed that alien in the end <laughs> in a big fight out but then another another version species of it has popped up in boba fett last week you see it Wondering around in the background. Started as a chicken scratch with your kid drawing. That's amazing. Yeah, Yeah. so that is one of my favorite ones because it's uh, perseverance on my part and my kids' uh, basic idea, really. uh, A collaboration between us both. Oh, of course. What you being so involved in this? Did you ever get a chance to interact with the actors from Star Wars? Yeah, well, mate, yeah, a bit. I suppose mainly like we used to sort of see uh, uh, who do we see? Kylo. Oh, I've completely forgotten everyone's real name. <laughs> He's actually Adam uh, Driver is actually Adam from Driver. Arkansas. He grew up is not really? far from uh, where I'm yeah. at. Yeah, from what I understand. So we'd see Adam initially because he had the scar, and so yep. he was always around when they were sort of fitting the scar. But after that. Yeah, after the first film, didn't we see him? Uh, Jonas, and I can't, don't know how to pronounce his surname. He was, he's Finnish. He plays Chewbacca. Ah. Jonas Suatomo. Sorry, Jonas, if you've ever heard, heard me say that. He's a lovely guy. Uh, he was always around, always been you know, in for the fitting. Warwick Davis was always oh, yeah, in. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's always in. So, yeah, we'd always see the sort of creaturey people, really. And the main guy is. Uh, not so much. So they come around occasionally, but I can't. Uh, <laughs> Does Daisy Ridley there, ever ask about me? I got to ask you. You know, uh, I'm sure I did overhear <laughs> say, mumbling something about Scott. I can't tell whether it was good or bad. Oh but, uh, <laughs> yeah, you never know. So right now you're working on the Meg Two. Can you tell us anything about that? I'm sure there's a shark in it. Yes, I'm probably not. I can't tell you. We have to sign the NDAs, and it's like, oh. Um, so I can't give anything away, Prof. Yes, it's got Jason Statham in it, and oh, the good. shark. Um, and the shark. Yeah, the f- uh, I'm very, very good at drawing sharks now. Oh, I love sharks. Yeah, my favorite, my favorite animal. Hey, Jake, I hate that we're out of time, but I want to ask: How can people go and follow you online and find your work? Uh, well, you can Instagram. I post very regularly on Instagram. Jake Lunt Davis, one word with an E in Davis. Or uh, if you want to just go look at all my stuff uh, on my website, which is www.jakelunt.com. Uh, I kind of post the same stuff on Twitter that I post on Instagram, which is Jake Lunt Davis. But mainly, yeah, Instagram's where I sort of, uh, I have the ability to say more on Instagram. So I'll write various bits of you know, trivia and stuff about that. Yeah, that's more fantastic. than Twitter. Well, thank you so much for doing the show. I appreciate hey, it big thanks time. Thanks for asking me. Thank yeah, you. It's good to get to. Well, yeah, thanks. And hello, goodbye, Arkansas. <laughs> hey, you guys go out and have a great Saturday. We'll see you next week on Guatney Unplugged.